Welcome to Let's Talk Sales, the podcast that's all things sales and business development. This podcast series is for CEOs that are looking to build strong companies, sales VPs, and sales managers that want to take things to the next level, and salespeople that are looking to improve. This podcast is brought to you by the Criteria for Success Sales Growth Program. Are you looking to experience a breakthrough in your team sales? Have you tried sales training in the past, but were unable to make it stick? The Criteria for Success Sales Growth Program is a year-long engagement that combines sales and leadership training, a digital sales playbook, and a coaching and accountability process that will change your sales culture and drive sustained growth. Learn more at criteriaforsuccess.com. Today's podcast is part of our CFS Talk Sales series, where our very own team here at Criteria for Success shares sales ideas, techniques, tips, and insights for CEOs, sales managers, and salespeople. This series is all about growth, improvement, and producing breakthrough results. This is Arianna Miskell, and today I'm talking to our operations officer and senior sales advisor, Elizabeth Frederick. Thanks for being here, Elizabeth. Thank you so much for having me, Arianna. I'm really looking forward to our conversation today. Definitely. So Elizabeth is our expert today on storytelling. She works with Criteria for Success sales growth clients to discover and polish their own stories. And today we will be talking about storytelling um, in respect to the webinar that we hosted with Jerome DeRoy of Narrative. And for our listeners, you can find the link to the webinar in the show notes at criteriaforsuccess.com slash pod151. Yeah, we learned a lot from Jerome, um, and we've enjoyed our relationship with him for a long time. Definitely. It's a great webinar. Um, it actually took place about a few months ago, mm-hmm. um, and we just thought that it brought so much value that we wanted to dive a little bit more into it. So, Elizabeth, for our listeners, could you define what storytelling is in the context of sales and business? Yeah, I'm going to start with a total cliche, but I love it. Features tell and stories sell. It's a great quote. (laughs) It is. And it's something that I think um, really resonates with most people when you think about it. Um, I actually am probably a good person to talk about storytelling because I'm somewhat famous at CFS for almost overusing stories when I meet (laughs) with clients. It's kind of a running joke between me and Charles that when we're talking to a client, I'll say, oh yeah, we had a client that did blah, blah, blah. Or, you know, it's because you have so much experience (laughs) and I'm not even just trying to gas you up, but it's the truth. Yeah, so much experience. 11 and a half years. I worked on a lot of different client stuff. And uh, stories are a way that people can relate to other people and yep. really put themselves in that position. And so when it comes to sales, um, you want people to discover your solution. You want people to buy. You don't want to always be selling them and always be pushing features at them. And when you tell stories, people connect and they really can see how your offering works and they can potentially um, envision what you might do for them. And instead of you constantly having to push your features and talk about your benefits and really convince them, they just opt right in and they're like, oh, I like that story. I want to have a story like that be true about me. And so people just buy. So is it safe to say that by telling stories, you're enabling buying in a world of selling? I imagine that you might be. And for our listeners, that is our not so new anymore, but our mission statement, um, enabling buying in a world of selling. And we're trying very hard to live our mission every day. Absolutely. It's very important um, and goes to show that it's possible. Absolutely. Through storytelling. 
So in the webinar, Jerome focuses on a few different areas, but I want to focus on the following. The first is why storytelling works, why stories, and why now, and then connecting with emotions to drive customers to your services. Good stuff. So the first part of the webinar is about why storytelling works. I mean, there must be a reason why we remember plots and stories from books and movies we viewed more than 10 years ago or from clients that we worked with over 10 years ago. (laughs) So why does storytelling work in sales and why should sales reps implement storytelling? All right, I'm going to go back before we even had the written word. And storytelling is a part of civilization. That is how human civilization differs from um, other species. And in fact, um, a little bit of a tangent, but there are even other species that have some level of storytelling uh, involved. Interesting. Right? There, are, there are birds that can communicate with really? other birds. It's amazing. And so when it comes to um, storytelling, just picture it. Way back in the day, before they had um, books and before they had, obviously, radio or TV or anything, there were traveling storytellers that would go around from one village to the next and would share stories um, and examples. When we think about how we know about history, it's through cave paintings, which are yeah. stories that people wrote down. They, they, hieroglyphics. Know, um, yeah, slaying the big mastodon or, or right. writing the, the story in that, the hieroglyphics that you see. When you look at um, any sort of ancient things, you'll see stories. When we think of the um, what has persisted from ancient civilization, there are ancient stories. And no matter your religious tradition, you think of the Bible and other religious documents mm-hmm. that are really old that have made it through um, the centuries. You can look at um, just even ancient things like the Iliad and the Odyssey. I was going to say, the, the when we say storytelling, all I can think about is the Odyssey. Yeah, and that that goes back and that persists and that's because stories are a way of connecting people Mm -hmm. and so um and then you want to think of yourself and when do you first remember hearing a story probably you were a little kid Mm -hmm. you probably couldn't even read yet and maybe your mom or your dad or your grandpa or grandma was reading you a story and so we have positive associations with stories in our mind stories are comfort Right. Stories are happiness. Stories are love and attention and affection. And so all of that is wrapped up in stories. And then um, stories are also powerful because people communicate big concepts and then relate to them when it comes to stories. Definitely. And so, for example, you might watch a movie that's a superhero movie. Everybody's watching superhero movies now. And we're not superheroes. Right. But we connect to the concepts in those movies. I remember, and this will age me. <laughs> the X-Men movies, uh, the first, like, regeneration of the X-Men movies. Is that the guy out. with the claw? Wolverine, yes. That, okay. That was all coming out while I was in college. Like, the, okay. they were revitalizing the X-Men movies. And X-Men movies are about mutants. Okay. Um, we are not mutants. I mean, we have mutations, but we're not mutants, like, with claws. Right, and, like, not superhero mutants. And, like, you know, laser vision and stuff. That'd be awesome. And yet, you watch the movies, and they're about people who are outsiders, and they're right. about people who are looked down on, and people who are rejected by their families. And so, we connect to the concepts, even when the situation isn't like us. And the same thing happens anytime we hear a story. There's something that actually works in your brain, and you can look at the research of this. The part of your brain that lights up when people tell stories isn't the listening part of your brain, it's the experiencing part of your brain. You Mm -hmm. actually light up the parts of your brain as if you were in the situation of the story that you're hearing. Right, and even in a simplistic way, I'm thinking of when I'm trying to convince my friends of something, or Mm -hmm. it's 
we're we're all out with our friends and we're trying to convince them to go to a specific restaurant or to do something oh no let's go to this park you always convince them with a story yeah you don't say this got the best review you say um i had a friend that just went there and she yeah. said that this food was the most right or ever oh i went there last summer and it was so cool and we did this and it was awesome and uh, you know you hit all of the things that you know that your friends would like and you convince them to go through a story absolutely you even think um let's say you wanted to change somebody's mind about something maybe mm-hmm. it's somebody in your family um and they disagree with you on a topic mm-hmm. um i'm not gonna get like super political or anything, oh, yeah. but let's say that there's some sort of a thing that you disagree with regardless we can all relate to this <laughs> you're not going to convince somebody to change their mind on a controversial issue by presenting them with facts no um and they've, they've done research on this you know how do you convince people um, to believe in vaccines or climate change or anything right. else like that and you can give them information until you're blue in the face right and you can show them studies like 500 different studies and that doesn't convince people but if you can tell somebody a story um, maybe something you experienced or something you saw that's how people change their mind yeah I was actually watching a show um, The Good Doctor it's a fantastic show I don't know if anyone's watched it but it's about a surgical resident who has autism okay so it's very interesting it's on Hulu I should be getting paid for everything I'm saying right now <laughs> but I'm not um, but there was a situation where someone came in and it was about like should you vaccinate your kids or not and they convinced someone to do something based off of a story the one doctor was like this happened to me mm-hmm. um and here's what happened and i hope that you can learn from what happened to me and make a decision based on that and it's literally the same thing you know they convinced this person by telling a story even though they're a doctor and yep. they tr- they went to school for how many years right <laughs> to like have the facts and the evidence and the theories to back up their statements this person needed a story to sway them to make a decision yeah stories are just incredibly powerful and that's why stories are such a part of our culture if we think about what do we talk about when we come in at work on monday morning um you know it's the tv show that aired over the weekend or what you did over the week or, or what you, you didn't do stories right Uh, but culture is all movies and tv Mm -hmm. shows and books and that's all stories and we're constantly burying ourselves in stories and we want to be a part of a greater human experience and that's storytelling so obviously i went off on a bit of a rant here but stories are just incredibly powerful and that's Mm -hmm. why um, if you look back at the oldest history we have recorded uh it's history of stories right right but it's stories and uh as we continue we're just coming up with different ways to communicate stories and you know we talk about things like virtual reality and ai Mm -hmm. um it's stories yeah and it's why we are all slaves to hbo on sunday evenings (laughs) at least i am watching game of thrones and yeah by the time this airs i think it will be done and then charles and i yeah come in on the in the morning and have our recaps every if you watched yeah every monday morning but that's right stories are amazing and they're a part of our lives from start to end um so i guess i'll go on to the next subject but in the webinar jerome talks about how storytelling is able to transform abstract business jargon into a concrete relatable story and this is something that I think is important for a lot of businesses and sales reps these days. And it's something that even here at CFS, we go through where we're like, okay, we need to remove ourselves from, from what we're talking about because we're too close to what we're selling Mm -hmm. that, you know, it might make sense to us, but it does not make sense to anyone else. These words do not mean the same thing to other people. Right. So it's, it's really important. And, And he also discusses how listening and telling is a constant loop. So Elizabeth, I just want to know, um, what is your take on this? And do you have any exercises for our listeners to practice the ebb and flow of telling and listening? 
Absolutely. So um, I love the way that Jerome describes this in the webinar. And again, um, definitely recommend that, that everybody listen in and watch that. But um, when it comes to business, a lot of times, um, and especially the kind of clients that we're working with, you're selling something that's technical right. um, or something that's complicated. And so telling a story, let's say you're selling a, a data processing application. Right. Yay, tech specs. Yeah. Like, I love data. I'm a total nerd. And still, my eyes will glaze over. But if I talk about how a company um, experienced a lot of difficulty in managing their warehouse and the flow mm -hmm. of products and services and managing inventory, and they weren't really able to meet customers where they needed to be. And by implementing our data processing solution, um, they were able to reduce the costs and reduce the time to market and everything that they needed. Suddenly, that dry situation got color and it right. got life and it became something real. And so it's really important when it comes to business to think about what are the relatable stories you have? What, what are the powerful stories you can tell? Um, I always kind of like to use the Goldilocks example, right? Interesting. You don't want to give a story of the most extreme thing that was ever experienced. Right, because then you the can't too, live up too, to too it. Hard, right? Yep. You also don't want the too, too, too soft, the too, too, too small. Like this is not the everyday story. Of right. YouTube. You want that nice middle ground where you've got a story that's a nice example, mm -hmm. that's impressive, but is not results not as described, right? Or it sometimes seems exaggerated because you don't want to be phony with Definitely. your stories. So for example, let's say one time you achieved like million percent results. Right. But generally you achieve 300% results. Right. 300% story is a good story to tell. Right. Because you want your, your prospective client to be able to really put themselves into those shoes. And also it's like if you wouldn't, advertise this in writing yes. as your results every time yes probably you, know, you want to tell the more one. right realistic story definitely now when it comes to stories being a dialogue that's so incredibly important um, and it's part of any conversation that what you build together between two people is completely different from what each of you would build alone mm -hmm. so for example let's say i start telling a story if i just monologue that story oh i'm not listening to that i'm, I'm gonna be so all, bored you're probably not listening and second maybe i'm going in a direction Direction, and it's not the best direction. Right. But if I start to engage you and we have some dialogue um, and you drill down on one aspect, then I can follow you on that path and drill down right. on that same aspect. And then we're having a conversation and we're getting more out of the story. It's not that we're taking it away from what happened, but let's say I'm telling the story of this client and their warehouse stuff and you say, oh my goodness, I have a similar problem, blah, blah, blah. Right. Warehouse. Like, yeah, they had that exact thing. And I maybe- may It's a conversation. Absolutely. And the person who's in control is never the person who's talking. Right. If your mouth is shut, you're running the conversation. Right. And, and so if you are monologuing this epic long story, you're losing control and the prospect might be going in any direction. So you want to make sure to have those pauses where you're regaining some direction. And I just, we, we all know that one person and God bless them. We yes. love them. But there's those certain people and I'm thinking of a few off, right off the top of my head who they tell stories and they have so much passion for these stories, but sometimes they're just so unrelated to so anything and it's mm -hmm. hard to listen and or they've told that same story right um, last and we don't want to be those storytellers <laughs> but then you have these people who are so engaging with your stories and again we're thinking of people off the top of our heads mm -hmm. who are able to i've always been so inspired by these types of people who 
can walk into a room of people that they don't know Mm -hmm. and just know exactly what to say and they're able to get the conversation flowing because they have a story of something that has happened to them that relates to each person in a different way and everyone's contributing that's what you want your prospecting meetings to be like definitely you think of a good TED talk that you might watch. Yep. And a lot of times they'll open with a story mm-hmm. and then they'll take the data and all the other things that's, and roll that behind. Yep. So that's actually the what is the story. we were taught in my business school to, you start every presentation with a story mm-hmm. because that's what gets people engaged. Absolutely. And it's funny because I didn't even think of this until this very second, <laughs> but um, we, we were told and taught and graded on you tell a story to engage people and then you supply the facts afterwards. So Absolutely. that's definitely interesting but as for um exercises i don't know if we want to move on to there if you have anything absolutely so um it's really important to practice things yep and a lot of times people think i can't practice storytelling it's an art it's a skill um either they think i don't have it right or they think it has to be just in the moment right and that's really not the case certainly you don't want to be a robot right yeah but um one great practice can be during sales team meetings to say all right let's say we had a situation like this what's a story we could tell right and just have people tell a story and so that's just practicing storytelling but then when it comes to practicing that give and take Mm -hmm. this is when having an accountability partner or a mentor or a coach can be really helpful Mm -hmm. to say all right you know i'm going into a client meeting um and i think they have this problem and so i want to talk to them about this other client can we practice how i tell that Mm -hmm. story and you can actually have the person you're talking to role practice as the client and tell them to ask some questions and see if you can respond and kind of manage the ebb and flow of conversation. And if you don't know enough to respond to questions, you need to learn more about the story. Right. Because something really important about stories is that the stories don't belong to a person at an organization. They belong to the organization. Definitely. And so let's say you're at a company that has 25 salespeople and the company's been around for, you know, 15, 20 years. Hopefully you've got a solid library of stories. And if you learn a story, but you only know enough to tell an outline, and you think you're good, and then you're having this role practice, and right, somebody and asks a question, stumble. and you're like, uh, I don't know. You know you need to maybe talk to somebody who knows a little bit more about or that story. even the meeting that you're having with someone might help you realize that you yourself have experienced a similar situation with the client, mm-hmm. and so you can fall back on those if you need to. Definitely. And, um, you know, you might sometimes um, not have all of the details, it's perfectly okay to say, I don't know, let me actually um, get the sales rep who worked with that client and we'll follow up with you on that. Or you can make it, yeah, that's a great follow-up. Like, oh, I I have to get this ending right. It's like, it's on the tip of my tongue. I can't think of it, but I'll let you know when I think of it. And you've got a follow-up and people are engaged. It's like a cliffhanger. Yeah, you want a cliffhanger. Definitely. (laughs) And it's always good to have like a concrete set of stories that you use. You can think of it like we all have a few of those go to outfits. Yeah, you're like top five. Right. You know, like we all you're like, okay, everything's in the laundry. I have no idea what to wear. I'm just gonna wear my go to. Yeah. You can accessorize it in different ways. A little black dress. (laughs) Right. Yeah. So your story, you can, you know, you wear the same suit, but maybe you wear a different shirt or different shoes. Definitely. We had one client that had like the jam jar story. Yep. And everybody knew the jam jar story. And they had it. I mean, just uh, I'm doing it again. We had a client. Right? I'm like, what's but, the jam jar story? Oh, it was so interesting. It was um, 
it was a complicated uh, situation, but it's a it's a healthcare benefits company. Okay. They provided just excellent kind of concierge service to make the healthcare process significantly less awful for people. That's great. Because if anybody's ever experienced the healthcare process, it's awful. It's awful, right? <laughs> so they provided a concierge service that would help guide people to doctors and provide um, reminders to people, both proactive and reactive, letting people know what their follow up should be. And there was a man who um, they helped guide his wife through her kind of end of life care and she had a lot of health conditions and they were such a trusted partner that um, after she passed away because you know that was just the inevitable result of her condition um, her husband sent them a jar of the jam that she always made oh that's so nice they had had such a a close intimate connection to her that he felt they were really like part of the family it was really beautiful and so I always when I think of that client I think of the jam jar story that's a great story yep definitely so stories are powerful I'm tearing up when I think yeah everyone write that down and think if you have your own jam jar story because that's a great example and I'm really glad that you told us all that definitely um so I also I'm going to throw this out there off the top of my head do you think that the active listening exercise could be related to storytelling in any way absolutely you want to talk a little bit about that so we actually have a great YouTube video yes um, about active listening we will include a link to that in the show notes and um Charles is working with a group of people and the point is that you and please correct me if I'm wrong because Elizabeth is the expert on this but it's all about seeing how it feels talking to someone who's ignoring you and talking to someone who's engaged with you and it's there to show the stark difference absolutely we do this at the beginning of almost all of our training events and um, i'll spoil this for anybody who attends one of our training events this is one of my absolute favorite things and um, it always it's always a lot of fun it's changed over the years so we tell people all right what we want you to do is split off into twos and one person share something that's really that you're really passionate about Mm -hmm. Right. So a person will get into, you know, I coach my kids soccer team Mm -hmm. or, you know, I'm all into, um, you know, health and wellness or or cooking or ceramics Um, or somebody, sometimes people get really personal, you know, my wife and I are working on adopting or something Um, and they're sharing and we tell the other person for the first round of the exercise, do everything you can to ignore the person. Mm -hmm. So when I started 11 years ago, smartphones weren't really a thing then. Wow. I know. I'm old. Um, maybe people had Blackberries. I think Blackberries were around now. Yeah, I had a I think Blackberry when I first Blackberries started. were. Um, I felt super high tech. Yeah. Um, I probably still have that. Business, somewhere. Businesswoman extraordinaire. With my Blackberry. <laughs> um, but uh, so people didn't immediately jump for their phone like right. they do now. So people would get up and walk around. They'd look away. They'd go and talk to somebody else. Oh, my gosh. Um, and we, and, or they'd just sit there really awkwardly. And it's hard to ignore people. Right. Right. And then we do a second round of the exercise and we say, okay, now I want you guys to share the same story, same partner, Mm -hmm. same people and listen, like it's the most valuable thing you've ever heard. Mm -hmm. And what happens is, first of all, they aren't just sitting there staring at the person. (laughs) What happens when they're in listen mode is they ask questions. Right. And what actually, um, in the first round, we ask people, you know, were you able to get the person to listen? And the only way you can get somebody to listen if you are, uh, if they're told not to listen to you, if you ask them a question and then you don't say anything mm-hmm. until they respond to your question, generally people feel pretty obligated to answer the question. Yeah. And so that really demonstrates um, a couple of things. First of all, it, it's very easy for people to be distracted. Mm-hmm. Second, 
you definitely need to ask people questions to make mm-hmm. sure that they are engaged and that they're following along with you and, and that you're having uh, a correct dialogue. And then third, there are different ways that you actually respond as a storyteller when somebody is engaged in listening than when somebody isn't. Mm-hmm. And if you do this exercise and you notice the things in yourself that you do the second time and not the first mm-hmm. time, you can think, how can I be proactive? Um, again, we want to enable listening right. in a world of ignoring. Yep. <laughs> That's for sure. um, How can you as a speaker really work to engage the person that you're talking to? Because unfortunately, there's generally not a facilitator telling them, listen, like you're on the edge of your seat. Right. The most important thing. Yeah, your prospect is not getting told that before they meet with you. Definitely. And one final um, tip. If you think you are potentially um, not very good at managing the ebb and flow of conversation. If you think maybe I tend to monologue or, Mm -hmm. um, you know, really dominate conversations or on the other hand, you think I don't do a good job of actually managing the flow and I step back too much and I let clients take over. This is a really good opportunity to ask your coach or your manager or a peer to hold you accountable and to track things. And if you tell somebody, this goes back to our self-awareness conversation we had, Mm -hmm. I think, a little while ago, um, it's really good if you want feedback on something to, first of all, set somebody up and say, hey, I'm concerned that I am not effectively managing conversations. Can you watch during this meeting and evaluate how well I do that? Yeah, that's a great idea. And then afterwards, say, all right, can you tell me what you observed and what you saw? And it's even better if they can observe you in more than one situation. Right. But even if it's just in one situation, if you set them up ahead of time to watch for it, it's like if somebody tells you you say um a lot. And then you notice for like a week mm-hmm. every time you say um. And now I'm going to start or listening like, for when I'm saying um. Oh, I just said like. <laughs> we had a, I had a professor in college who every time we spoke, and he didn't tell us what he was doing. If we said like, he had a, a bell, like a bike bell in, oh his, my goodness. in his pocket. <laughs> and he would ding it. And you, we were all so uncomfortable. Why are you dinging a bell in your pocket? And he wouldn't tell us why. Oh, my goodness. And then we figured it out as he kept dinging people for saying um and like. We were finally, oh, okay, he's dinging us for saying like. But I swear it helped so much because <laughs> nothing was worse than getting dinged. I would have hated you it. You just felt so yes. inferior. Yes. But it was a great way to break the habit. Definitely, definitely. And now our listeners are going to be emailing us. And they're going to say, you said um and like this many times. I'm <laughs> sorry. Did. I'm so definitely. sorry. But having, having a person that is going to help you with that can be incredibly helpful. Especially, again, if you're listening to this and you're thinking, hmm, I don't think I'm really there. I don't think I do this really well. Mm-hmm. Having a person that's going to help yeah. um, is a great way to improve because it's hard to really know what you're doing. You can also, and this is kind of next level, um, if appropriate and if legal, I guess, um, you could record mm-hmm. your calls and your meetings. Uh, in some places, it's not legal to record somebody else if they don't know. And you could even tell a prospect, hey, is it okay if I record this call for my own review? We won't distribute it or whatever. Um, but it can be helpful to record yourself mm-hmm. and, and then review. I know um, I don't especially love hearing myself on audio. I oh, yes. People do. It's but the worst. Still, it's a good thing to do. Yep, there's nothing worse than. I get the pleasure of editing these podcasts. Yes. And I get to listen to myself <laughs> talk, and it's awful. But I listen to every episode, including the ones that I do, and it's the same thing. <laughs> but we get through it, and we keep producing them for you guys. So I guess I'll move on to the next kind of question or topic that we're going to talk about. But so here at CFS, as everybody knows, we love sales playbooks. 
and we're always looking for new ways to use them in relation to what we're talking about this month um, on the CFS blog and podcast. So what is one actionable tip that our listeners might consider adding to their playbook related to storytelling? This is the easiest thing and all of our clients, we recommend this and not all of them do it. And um, the ones who do, this is one of the most valuable things in their playbook. That's build a library of success stories in your playbook. It seems simple when I say it, right? You're like, oh yes, I should probably do that. You're not gonna do it, sorry. <laughs> <laughs> That's the honest truth. Yes, uh, hopefully you do. Uh, and I really encourage everybody to do it. It doesn't need to be a library of beautifully formatted case studies that mm -hmm. are pretty and have all kinds of stats and data. Oh yeah, no. It's wonderful if you can. Right, and you wanna have a library of those. But at the very minimum, you wanna have a list of your 10 top success stories of what are the best ones that anybody on our selling team should be able to pull out of their back pocket at any time. Mm -hmm. And you cannot expect your sales team to know those unless you have them written down somewhere. Yep. Um, think of that poor new hire that you have and they go on a meeting. You're like, why didn't you tell a story? They're like, what story? I or they just here. don't know. Right. They don't know anything right? firsthand. But if you start on day one at an organization and you've got a library, if here are 10 best stories and you can review those with people. And it says, you know, for more information, talk to this person because they worked on that account. That right there is setting you up for success. And you can walk into a client on your you know, first week at a new job and say, oh, yeah, we had a client just like you who had this problem. And right. it sounds like you've been at your job for five years. Or even if you were to be honest and say, I just started. And, you know, it's funny because I just heard this story. And it's one yeah. of the reasons why I'm so excited to be sitting here right now. Absolutely. You're sharing a little bit of story. So when it comes to a success story, all you need are three elements. People think I need to write a book. Right? It's got to be a novel. Um, this is not that kind of story. Mm -hmm. A success story includes what was the situation, and ideally, there's a problem. Mm -hmm. And ideally, it's measurable, and there's a number in right. there, right? So you could say somebody's sales were down 30%, or their orders took, you know, five days to process, or whatever it was. You want a number mm -hmm. if you can. And then second, what was the solution you provided? Um, for some people, you only have one solution. You have one thing that you sell. But a lot of times you're selling a lot of different things, mm -hmm. your different configurations. So you want to talk a little bit about we did it this way. We did this thing. They bought this version. Whatever it is, you want to know what your solution was. And then third, what was the tangible benefit? So they went from five days processing time to five hours or their sales went up by 500%. Or even like you said, the jam jar story, it could yeah. be something a lot more emotional, qualitative not quantitative where you're pulling on their heartstrings definitely and i know for a fact that that client um there were stats associated with the story mm -hmm. of um, the number of contacts that the person had and um, something else related to it and so you also need to know your audience and know yes. kind of where you are you need some numbers somewhere yep not every story needs to be dollars and cents. Right, and it so might not be out, natural. And you, yeah, and you also don't want to like try to have like five like heartstring pulling. Right, story. you're gonna like. Are you there to like cry with somebody, or are you there to sell? <laughs> Do you so need help? Like, are you okay? Um, the appropriate balance. We had one client. I'm doing this again. Um, we had one client, and they were um, in wealth management, mm -hmm. and. For, for them, stories were incredibly powerful. And obviously, a lot of their stories had to do with numbers. But especially in wealth management, you can't ever promise results. Right. So you can't tell somebody, oh, I got 10% growth with somebody else. Well, 
you can't promise 10% results for right. me. That's illegal. You, right. You are actually regulated. Right. And so they could tell stories about how, you know, we help people um, when somebody experienced a divorce and she had never handled wealth and, and her finances or, you know, a lot of stories around somebody who was unexpectedly widowed mm-hmm. um, or, you know, fun stories about uh, these people and they were so rich that they had too many houses and cars and oh, yeah. to what manage all of their bills. Great like, problem. Good problems to have. I'm even thinking we had, so sometimes on our interview episodes, we've been asking people if they have like a funny sales story Mm -hmm. and I forget who it was but it was one of our old clients and he told the story and I'm sorry if you're listening and I forget your name but it's (laughs) it's off the top of my head and it's 5 (laughs) 30 but um he was telling the story about they it was a wealth management client and someone I think had passed away and they she was like what do you want to do with this old man's guns and the wife was like I don't care. Just get rid of them. So they didn't know what to do with them. And they stuck. Yeah. Yes. Doug hack. And they threw them in the river. And I will never forget that story. Like we do so many podcast episodes, but I will never forget that because it was so fun. Talk about going above and beyond for your clients. Now, I don't know if that's legal or the best way to get rid of heard about the guns weapons already been thrown in the river. Right. But I don't think they were throwing. Right. But it's still, it just goes to show that I listen to every single podcast episode that goes out and that's the one that I remember. Yeah, and stories are what stick in your head. And you want to think about when you're building that library of success stories, what are the ones that, again, back to that whole Goldilocks example, you want in terms of size and in terms of scale of experience, you want that just right, like solidly in, again, the top of the middle, mm-hmm. but the middle, not the crazy big or the like, and if, opinion. if you guys want to listen to the episode with Doug, I will include it in the show notes. Definitely for you. do that. He's a great guy. One of my favorite former clients. Um, and then you want to think about, um, you know, are there fun and interesting ones? Mm-hmm. Something else to think of when you're building that library of success stories is, are you representing all of the different potential industries that we work in? Mm-hmm. Are you representing, um, the different sizes of opportunities we work on. Do you have a story for each type of your offering? And really think about that library and having a diverse library of success stories. Think about for every time you go out for a prospecting meeting or you get on the phone with a prospect, you want to have a relevant story. Mm -hmm. Um, And so for your organization, you might need 45 stories. Some organizations might need three. And we're not saying that everyone is expected to memorize these and be able to regurgitate them perfectly to the right client or prospect. But different people will prefer different stories based on their personalities, Um, different Things go become outdated, unfortunately. Yes. And yeah, the great story that yeah. was really relevant to people three years ago, where you were talking about, you know, floppy disks or blackberries, faxing or machines, um, is VCRs. Not a great story now. Yeah, um, definitely. And when it comes to those stories, uh, one thing that we've seen some clients do, and this is like a level up in your playbook if you're ready for it, is they've recorded either video or audio of the original salesperson or account manager Mm -hmm. who has the story telling the story. Mm -hmm. And there's a lot of color that can be in there. There's a lot of interest and then you don't have to write it down. And so that's one thing you can do. And the next thing um, to a way to use this library of success stories and a good practice is if you're going on a meeting with a prospective client before the meeting, look through that library of success stories if you have it and think about what are the stories that Mm -hmm. might be relevant to this meeting. And if you plan ahead, that gives you a chance to read through those and look for those stats so they're top of mind so you don't have right. to have them memorized. Right, and you might even have some uh, that are your own that you just keep in your head that might be a little bit more 
people like to relate on a personal level Mm -hmm. just as much as they like to hear a story about how great your business is. Definitely. So it's always great to have a story, even if it's like this prospect's from Louisiana and you're, oh my gosh, I, you know, I was just there on vacation. It was crazy. This happened. Oh, where did you go? And then you're engaging them. Oh, it's my favorite restaurant. How do we go there? Definitely. That's another way to engage someone with a story. Yeah. Stories are just incredibly powerful. And, you know, the very specific success stories are one thing, but just in conversation with people, think about when are you telling stories Mm -hmm. and think about who you are when mm-hmm. you're telling stories and who the prospect is when you're telling stories and yep. you're different people and you're you're typically more emotionally engaged and more excited and try to be that person right. more often. And it's so important to just to think an easy way to think about storytelling is just try to think about any way you relate to a prospect or not mm-hmm. even a prospect, just people on the phone. Yeah. You know, we, we get into such a New Yorker mindset up here where we're not used to talking to people, but no, down, you, you know, me? it's just nice. That's human connection is about relating to people in any way from, oh, I love your shirt. Would you get it? Oh, actually, I was there last week, you know, and yes. this happened. And off the bat, you're already communicating in a different way than, hi, my name is Ariana and I'm here to sell you some sales training. <laughs> Oh, let me buy it. Right. It's just, that's <laughs> not, not likely, it's not likely because people buy from people they like and people like people that they relate to. Yeah. It's something that's so important when it comes to sales is that we're people selling to other people. And a lot of times we're focused on all of the stuff around the people and we forget that it's a person connecting with another person, right. figuring out if you can solve a problem. Because them. although Elizabeth is the operations officer and <laughs> senior sales advisor at Criteria for Success, Elizabeth also has a life outside of work. That sometimes, hopefully, I mean, we do believe in. We're busy right now. We are busy. We're moving offices. It's crazy. Oh my goodness! But you know, she has things that she relates to outside of being a consultant and doing sales training. Definitely, I find it even um, just when it comes to things like hosting the podcast. Mm -hmm. I'm hosting a lot more episodes lately, and in conversation with people, we always like to have a pre-conversation with Mm -hmm. a guest before we start recording, so you're not starting cold. And you always want to find what's a way I can connect with somebody. Right. And a lot of that's through stories. You know, figuring out what you have in common with people. You tell the story about how you experience something. They have a similar thing, and suddenly you developed a relationship with somebody you've literally never talked to in your life before mm-hmm. that. So it's incredibly powerful way to connect to people. It's awesome. Stories are great. So we're big fans. You know, storytelling really is such a crucial part of today's selling world. Um, I'd really like to encourage our listeners to watch the webinar. And we also included the other um, active listening video in the show notes. So you can find both at criteriaforsuccess.com slash pod 151. That's 151. So thank Thank you so much, as always, for listening to today's show. Um, Please tune in next week. We are interviewing Matt Hines of Hines Marketing. And then tune in on Friday. It's an inspirational quote by me about J.K. Rowling, who is the queen of storytelling. I think she might have something to say about stories. She knows her stuff when it comes to stories. It's the author of the Harry Potter books, if you don't know. For anybody who's been living under a rock for the last literally, what, 20 years? (laughs) Yeah, if you're living under a rock. Um, But all month, we're talking about storytelling on the blog. You can check that out at criteriaforsuccess.com slash blog. And if you've enjoyed the show, please subscribe to our podcast at Apple Podcasts. You can search it on iTunes. You can search it on Spotify. Your ratings and reviews help us to make it better. We are also still running our podcast survey. The call to action is in the show notes. And if you complete it, you're in the 
uh, entered in to win a $50 Amazon gift card. Yep. And you can find it even without going to the show notes at criteriaforsuccess.com slash pod survey. There we go. Thank you, Elizabeth. Um, And as always, Let's Talk Sales is a production of Criteria for Success and is produced by myself, Ariana Miskell, Elizabeth Frederick, and the wonderful Laura Marchoff. Happy selling, everybody. Happy selling. Happy selling.